This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people and we pay our respects to their elders, past and present. My name's Paul Stewart, a Tanarong man and podcast host of Community Conversations. On today's podcast, I caught up with grassroots black sovereign and Gunnichamara woman, Jill Gallagher. Stay tuned as Jill talks about why she will be voting yes in the up and coming referendum. Well, I'm... I'm pretty excited to uh, have a special guest in front of me, uh, Gunichamara woman, CEO of Vacho, Treaty Commissioner. Um, you've got two letters in front of your name, two letters behind your name. Is it Jill Gallagher or is it Aunty Jill or with AO? And how no, shall I introduce you? No, you call me Jill Gallagher. Uh, Jill Gallagher, GRSB. G-R-G-R-S-B. What, yes. what does that mean? Oh, you don't know what G-R-S-B. Every black fella should have G-R-S-B after their name. And it means grassroots sovereign black fellas. Right. Maybe I could have G-R-B-S. G-R, G, grassroots black sovereigns. No bullshit. Maybe an A. Bullshit. <laughs> Well, we can have that too, but Paul, we won't go down that road, all right? All right, I'll, I'll roll with G-R-B-S-A, yep. anyway, yours are more famous, Okay. Um, so, and I will refer to you as Jill Gallagher. Yes, so, thank you. Um, Jill, um, how would you, like, describe yourself? How would I? Well, that's a really... No one's ever asked me that. It's hard to describe yourself, uh, especially for black fellas, because... They don't talk themselves up that much. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we don't tend to do that. But how I, I'm an Aboriginal woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a grandmother. I'm a mother and I'm an auntie. Um, I'm a niece and, um, and the list goes on. Um, I am 67 years old, uh, which I'm not ashamed of. I mean, growing old in our culture is nothing to hide. Um, it is something to be proud of. Um, anyways, so 67 years old, I have two sons and four grandchildren. And um, I'm also a grandmother. That's amazing, isn't it? And it's because of her we can. Um, I grew up not on my country, Paul. I grew up, I said before, I'm a Gundijmara woman, but I didn't grow up in Western Victoria. I lived down there but we didn't stay there long. We, um, at the time when I was a young girl, uh, my ma- mother, Frances Gallagher, had knee winter, had 10 children. I'm the third youngest. And um, the only source of employment that our people could get back in that era, I mean, mum was born in 1926, so she was born in an era where it really wasn't safe to be a blackfella, you know, and um, and all the pain that our ancestors had to suffer for us to get where we're trying to achieve today. Um, so I grew up on Gunnarokurnai country, for those who don't know where that is, that's Gippsland, mm-hmm. um, and um, because we picked beans and picked pick potatoes and... Uh, whatever else was in season, onions. So we used to camp all over Gunai Kurnai country. So uh, my first school, primary school, 
uh, was actually um, Cabbage Tree, right. which is up past Orbost right. in Kurnai country. And it was a, a little old logging town. A lot of blackfellas worked in the sawmills. Yeah. And, um, and at one stage there in Orbost, there's a little place that Uncle Herb Patton sings about, and it's called Numerella Pines. Uh, and that's where a lot of the Aboriginal people um, lived up there on the hill that overlooks the whole plains of Orbost and the township. And um, that's where my um, four brothers were taken away uh, and put in homes. Mm. Um, so four of the boys, older boys, were all taken away and put in homes and they weren't released until they were of age, which is 18. And... Um, my two older sisters were sent to Parramatta, which is in New South Wales. Yeah. I want to go back to where you first described yourself yeah. as grassroots, sovereign black. Um, there's a number of black fellas that would describe themselves like that, and they would be in um, similar positions to you, like oh, yes. CEO, um, yeah, they hold whatever position they hold. Like, how does that you know, what does that make you feel and tell me what, what, feel, what burns inside you? Yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting concept when you hear a lot of our people refer to other members of the community as either elite blackfellas or you're not grassroots. Um, I don't know what makes us as Aboriginal people grassroots, but all I know that is my story um, you know, we moved to Collingwood, just around the corner from where I work, uh, Easy Street, uh, when I was about nine years old. So I was still in primary school. And, we moved, and we've been here in Collingwood ever since. But the point that I'm making is um, I left school at 13. My mum has been a labourer. When she was 16, she worked in the flax mills up near Hamilton. And um, so... Um, we've never had a lot of our family go through school to the end and get a formal education. Um, I think my mother and her lifestyle, and which then impacted on us, um, when we moved to Collingwood um, and um, I went to George Street Primary School, I left school at 13 because... Um, because I didn't like school, to be honest with, honest with you. But that, then again, apart from being Aboriginal, I was disadvantaged yet again by not having a formal education. So I've worked in the fields picking beans. I've worked in factories making fibreglass baths. Um, and um, when I was 12 and a half, I ran away from home here in, in, in Fitzroy, Collingwood. And I ended up in Winlayton. Um, and, you know, I mean, so what makes someone grassroots? Mm. I don't know when they, when they try to differentiate a different class of blackfella. It's not right. I, th I believe every Aboriginal person who has a lot of lived experience in being Aboriginal are grassroots. Whether they've got a doctorate in front of their name whether they've got a uh, professor in front of their name or whether they've got multiple degrees, 
They are grassroots blackfellas. Mm. Um, th there's a black sovereign movement out there that's talking about the no, um, but um, you, you're all these things of black sovereign, and you're voting yes. Why? Why? Why is Jill voting yes? Why am I voting yes? Um, for me to answer that, I've got to tell you a little story about my time as a Treaty Commissioner. Mm -hmm. So, back in 2015, when the state government, when the, uh, the um, Andrews government um, had a meeting up at the Aborigines Advancement League, and that meeting was to invite all Aboriginal people in Victoria to attend. And the ones that turned up, the question that the bureaucrats asked Aboriginal people yet again... What does true self-determination mean to you as an Aboriginal person? And, and again, the Aboriginal mob that turned up to the League that time basically says, true self-determination for us is to be able to negotiate treaties and have empowerment and have a voice. So that's not a new ask, as we know, Paul. You know, our, our ancestors and our leaders in the past that are no longer with us have always called for a voice and have always called for treaties. Um, so it was nothing new. But what was new about what happened in Victoria, we had a government that just did not dismiss it. So they said, let's explore how we do that. So the dilemma then was, because colonisation was very brutal and very quick in these parts of Australia, and we were the first to cop the brunt of colonisation, um, it did a lot of damage to our ways of Aboriginal ways of knowing, being and doing. So we had to think, well, who does the state government talk to? Do they just talk to Jill Gallagher or do they talk to Paul Stewart? No. So we had to design a mechanism, uh, a voice here in Victoria so that government could work out how are we going to negotiate treaties going forward. And that's the First People's Assembly of Victoria. Now... What struck me in my role as a treaty commissioner was not to negotiate. Didn't um, was not my role was not to dis, uh, negotiate treaties. My role was to set up a mechanism so treaties can be negotiated, which we did. Um, and uh, and I thought it was going to be a no-brainer. Can I tell you? I thought because we've been calling for treaties for so long, I didn't think I'd get any opposition from our own mob. But there was opposition to it. And um, I don't think it was opposition to treaty. It was opposition to how, uh, how, what's the design of this voice in Victoria going to look like? Um, and so that's where the dilemma was. So there was a lot of uh, Aboriginal, not a lot, there were some voices that were very, um, what's the word, uh, overpowering and powerful and um, turned a lot of our own mob off in having a, com a proper meaningful, uh, informed conversation about treaties. Um, but so what I decided to do, because there's all these... Um, you now, everyone wants to sit around the table. Well, we can't have 68,000 Aboriginal people sitting around the table making decisions. Won't happen. So, but we, what I did learn from hearing Aboriginal voices was we need... We don't want government to appoint our spokespeople. We actually want to elect them. And in a modern world, that's all we could do. 
Uh, I didn't know how to go back 250 years and look at the way we did it 250 years ago because that's still not, that's not there. In some places it is, but not all places. So we had to design a mechanism that is going to work in a modern world and the First Peoples' Assembly. Um, did I answer your question, Paul, or was, or was I waffling on, mate? Please, tell me if I waffle. Oh, no, I, I think you're taking us down a path um, because what you've articulated is that it's tough to get mob around, yeah. 65,000 people, yeah. blackfellas. Um, geez, if that was the case, there'd be... <laughs> imagine the media around that one. Yes. Um, but it, it says to me, well, what you've articulated as well, is that we all don't agree. No, exactly. And um, so when it comes to the referendum that we're just about to go to, there is mob that disagree um, and are voting no. Yes. Um, so... You know, the, the polls are saying clearly that 80% of Aboriginal people are going to be voting yes and we respect the other 20. Yes. Um, so I, I guess, you know, but if you choose to vote yes, yes, does that actually mean you're not grassroots? No, of course it doesn't. And the reason I'm voting yes is because... I still have my mum with me today, so I'm very lucky. Not many Aboriginal people, as you know, live to my mother's age, um, still alive to, to talk about some of the horrors that happened to her in her lifetime as an Aboriginal woman. Um, and to have six of her children ripped out of her life uh, because her children were black, uh, that, that pain alone... I have seen the disempowerment of our people for the past, uh, since I've been alive. I have seen it through mum's voice and mum's stories, the disempowerment that our people have felt over the past 250 years. But more importantly too, I think there's a publication that I would encourage you to Google uh, and read this publication. It's a publication of letters from Victorian Aboriginal women who were residing on missions uh, back in the day. And when you hear, when you read those letters, you hear the despair. You hear the disempowerment. And you hear the hurt. And I hear that in my mother's voice when she talks about her time on the mission and her time when she found it hard to get a job or even go into a hotel to get a meal um, because she was denied that. So you hear that. That's why I am voting yes. I don't know. I mean, I've been heavily involved, as you know, Paul. I've been heavily involved in the crafting of the Uluru Statements. When the Melbourne Dialogues happened, both myself and Jeremy Clark were the uh, Victoria State, um, I think they were called facilitators back then. Um, and then we got to go to Uluru and then we got to um, hear all the stories from right across this continent and then we got to see the crafting of the Uluru Statements. Um, so I'm voting yes because I believe for us as the first peoples of this country to be recognised in Australia's constitution, because we were denied that back in 1901. 
we were denied when a bunch of white old men sat around here in uh, Melbourne and designed the constitution. There was a big debate happening. Uh, and that debate was, should we include Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? Uh, and the end result was no. Can we all agree? Can we all agree to disagree? Like, where do you, where do you fit in this sort of numbers I, going? I think... Well, of course, I, I sit within the 80%. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the expectation that we place on ourselves to not only do... Um, um, not only do the rest of the, pub, uh, the public expect that we have to have 100% consensus, it's ludicrous. We don't expect that of any other peoples on this land or in the world. We don't expect 100% consensus and you're never going to get it. And that's fine. Um, but you've got to go with what the majority are asking for. And the majority of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are asking for a voice to Parliament and to be enshrined in the Constitution so no government can get rid of it. The majority of Aboriginal people are asking that one of the oldest living cultures on the planet is recognised that all, all Australians have in their own backyard. And by the way, that doesn't mean we're going to take their backyard. I need to say that. <laughs> we are not in any way, shape or form, interested in anyone's backyards. Um, let's go back to this 80% and the majority. We're going to keep going on this. Like, why do we have to get 100%? Well, we don't. Why can't we? Why can't we? Ah, well, that's a very good question. And I don't pretend to know what's in the 20% uh, of our mob's minds. I don't understand. But can I say, some of the... Um, when I was the Treaty Commissioner, and this, this, this story is a little bit... Um, anyways, um, I get a little bit emotional when I talk about this story. Um, when I was a Treaty Commissioner, I had conversations with a lot of Aboriginal people in Victoria. Um, people who uh, were unemployed, people who were in prison, Aboriginal people who were in prisons, Aboriginal people who... Uh, are just mums and dads. Aboriginal people who are professors and doctors and lawyers and, uh, and the list goes on. Or as many Aboriginal people I could talk to in various settings, whether it was just kitchen, around the kitchen table, or whether it was in big forums. And um, I've forgotten what the question was. Sad story. The sad story. And I saw a lot of pain and a lot of trauma in a lot of our peoples uh, who... And there was one woman. There was one woman down in Gunai Kurnai country and she was a lot older than me and I was down there talking to an elders' council about treaty and she just let her trauma come to the surface and she said to me, what would you know about trauma, Jill Gallagher? You wouldn't have experienced people spitting on me in the streets or people um, won't let us access anything because my skin is black. What would you as a treaty commissioner know about trauma and hurt and hate? Uh, and to me, I took no offence to that 
because that was her hurt and her trauma coming out. I see a lot of our people like that. Um, and a lot of our people think also um, that if we are recognised in the Constitution, that it's going to cede our sovereignty. It's not. No one can cede your sovereignty, your, your, your sovereign um, uh, identity and who you are as an Aboriginal person. No one can do that unless you sign a document that says you're ceding it. And I don't know of any blackfella that's done that. So, and to be uh, counted in the 67 referendum, which they altered the constitution to allow that, I mean, if that was true, we would have ceded our sovereignty already, but we haven't. We've got a government here in Victoria and hopefully one day we'll have a government at the national level that will put seriously treaties proper on the table. And I think the other thing is that um, just recently I had the, the, the amazing opportunity to go to Rwanda at an uh, international um, gender um, equality uh, women's forum uh, from, uh, uh, from women from all around the world. And what's... Well, it didn't just struck me a few months ago. I, I knew this anyways. But when you go travel overseas, um, you hear and you see cultures. You learn about the ancient Greeks uh, and the uh, Egyptians and the Incas. You learn about all those cultures in school. When you go overseas, that's what you want to see. No one knows about our cultures in this continent, in this country. No one knows that our people, our ancestors, Paul, your ancestors and mine, walked with dinosaurs 35,000 years ago. That's older than the pyramids, mate. And so being recognised as the first peoples of this country on an international platform, it will give us that recognition. Yeah. Um, we, we are going to a referendum um, and there's still a, people, there's still a few on the fence. Yeah. There's, there's a few um, uh, non-Aboriginal people on the fence. What, what would you say to them if they're listening? What would I say with them? Or to them. To them. I would say to all Australian citizens, um, come walk with us, stand with us, make change. You've got nothing to fear and you've got everything to gain. Mm. Well, let's, um, I want to fast forward. We think it's going to be October 14. Yep. Uh, well, that's the rumour, um, but I don't know much anyway. Let's pretend it is. October 15, Jill Gallagher wakes up and there's a no vote. How does Jill Gallagher feel? Um, I don't know because that won't happen. There won't be a no vote. All right. Well, let's flip it then. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. It's October 15 and Jill Gallagher wakes up and there's a yes vote. How does Jill Gallagher feel? I'm going to feel on top of the world. I'm going to feel that the rest of this country values us as the First Peoples and values our cultures as the First Peoples. Well, there's going to be people listening. What is Jill Gallagher's last words that you want to say? Oh, my last words. Wow. What I want to say to our own mobs, our own communities out there, 
we've got nothing to lose. We've got nothing now. We don't have a voice now. So we've got nothing to lose. We're not going to cede our sovereignty. Um, and we might make a difference uh, if empowerment and hope is back in our families and in our communities. Um, so please vote yes, because we have, we have nothing now. To the non-Aboriginal people, we're not blaming you for the past because you're not responsible for your ancestors. But you're responsible to stop being bystanders and help us make change, the change that we need. And our culture could be part of Australia's fabric. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jill Gallagher.